Welcome to The Daily Sample, a podcast where we sample a different book every day to see if it's worth adding to that TBR pile. Today we're looking at a book called The Push. It was written by Ashley Audrain. Uh, It was published on January 5th, 2001, and it topped out at 307 pages. I ended up only sampling 29 pages, which put me at eight chapters. This book has a lot of really short kind of choppy writing. The author did very short pages. Some of them are only like one and a half pages or two pages total. So it feels like we got pretty far, but in reality, we didn't. It's still only about 10% of the book. The synopsis for this book reads, a tense page-turning psychological drama about the making and breaking of a family and a woman whose experience of motherhood is nothing at all what she hoped for and everything she feared. Blythe Connor is determined that she will be the warm, comforting mother to her new baby Violet that she herself never had. But in the thick of motherhood's exhausting early days, Blythe becomes convinced that something is wrong with her daughter. She doesn't behave like most children do. Or is it all in Blythe's head? Her husband, Fox, says she's imagining things. The more Fox dismisses her fears, the more Blythe begins to question her own sanity. And the more we begin to question what Blythe is telling us about her life as well. Then their son, Sam, is born. And with him, Blythe has the blissful connection she's always imagined with her child. Even Violet seems to love her little brother. But when life as they know it is changed in an instant, devastating fallout forces Blythe to face the truth. The Push is a tour de force you will read in a sitting, an utterly immersive novel that will challenge everything you think you know about motherhood, about what we owe our children, and what it feels like when women are not believed. Okay, so this book starts with a little prologue, and it starts, it actually starts with a weird little paragraph about the female body and kind of like where and how your eggs are produced and how female infants in the womb, their eggs are created, the all the eggs that a female will have in her lifetime are created at four months gestation. So it's like this weird little connection between like how a woman's genetic potential for her children is actually created when she herself is still inside the womb of her mother. So a woman could potentially be making her own grandchildren while pregnant with her child. It's, it was kind of weird. Technically true, but still a little weird. And it kind of plays into how this book is structured because you do get little flashbacks to Blythe's mom and grandmother and what they went through throughout their life and like their childhood and all this other stuff. So it starts with that and then it moves into the prologue. And in the prologue, Blythe is sitting outside of her ex-husband's house, watching the house. It's Christmas Eve or whatever. And she's basically watching the husband, his new wife, uh, her daughter, and their son just basically celebrate Christmas Eve. She does notice that the stepmom is pregnant. And at one point, there's this weird little paragraph where the daughter sees the car, doesn't tell anybody that the car is there. She knows her mom is in it, doesn't interact with her mom in any way, but makes it clear that she knows that Blythe is watching the house. So it's a little weird, a little ominous. You kind of wonder, you know, what on earth is she doing there? What is going on with the little girl? Like, why are they not interacting or anything? And then we jump straight into chapter one. One thing I will say about this book is that I think it is written in such a way that it makes it really easy to read. Like, and it's a very fast read. So the sentences are very short. It's a little bit choppy in places. And I think it's meant to be written in like almost a, I don't want to say flowing because it doesn't flow, but like a very internal kind of monologue. Like this woman, it's from Blythe's perspective for the most part. And it jumps around when it's in her head. 
like we we just jump to like different topics and everything and she's it's clearly written with the idea that she's not talking to us she's actually talking to her husband so it's like in a letter style so you get a lot of like the word the pronoun you and she addresses sentences not to fox but to you and it, it took me a little bit of, it took a bit of a minute it took a minute for me to realize that that's what was happening um if you guys have ever actually read the book you by carolyn Keynes, i think it is it was the one that was adapted into the netflix series it's the same kind of styling for the most part the you book doesn't like jump around to perspectives it's always just his perspective um this book would does jump back into the past and when it jumps back into the past it's not blithe addressing anybody about anything it's just like a regular narrative so these like i said these chapters are very short they just kind of jump all over the place like chapter one is about their college days blythe was a scholarship student she was very focused she had a very small circle of kind of distant friends she wasn't really interested in being close with anybody um but she did fall for fox and they fell pretty hard and they fell pretty fast but we do find out that her mom left the family when blythe was 11 years old and then it immediately jumps back to the era of 1939 to 1958 and it talks about Blythe's grandmother Etta and it talks about her first husband and then how her first husband died it's a little bit gruesome her first husband was working for her father on their far on the family farm to basically prove that he was good enough for Etta and at one point he's working out in the field and some machine tool not a farmer one of the tools out there actually severs his leg and he basically bleeds out there alone Etta finds the body she takes the leg and she's so mad at her dad she takes it back to the to the barn and throws her husband's severed leg at her father it was very gruesome it was a little bit unnecessary I was like oh my god this is absolutely insane absolutely insane but we also find out that Etta was pregnant at the time of this guy's death and that is where we get Blythe's mom whose name now escapes me and I didn't write it down I can't remember but after her first husband's death Etta goes into a very deep depression uh, for quite a while to the point where Etta's mom was basically raising the grandchild but eventually you know Etta gets better she gets back out into the world and she eventually remarries and that's kind of where that flashback ends and all of that information by the way is told to us in like two or three pages like it's a snappy book there's not a lot of flowery stuff going on okay and then chapter two was just mostly memories you know we get a lot of like stuff that's told to us but it's also a lot of stuff that just doesn't really matter and it's all really simplistic because it's told to us so fast again like some of these chapters are like two or three pages so like we're getting a lot of really short sentences with a lot of little facts in them but it like at what point does it just not matter and that's probably like be just because of the writing style that's one of the problems with this type of writing style is you just it's almost like reading a report or like an outline like it's not really a full book so we get mostly memories and we find out that fox is really close with his family and then we find out that she is not we do get a red flag about their relationship um it does talk about how fox gets jealous of the time that she spends with the one friend that she kept from college and she even says you know she spends a minimum amount of time with this girl it's not like a lot and it's like her only friend so that i thought was a little like oh that's that's not good that's a 
It's a hallmark of a toxic relationship right there. So I have a feeling that's going to become a bigger problem down the road. We didn't get much more of that in the sample, but there was that one little red flag. I caught it immediately. Uh, And then we find out that he works in architecture and she's a struggling writer. He proposes at one point. It's it's almost kind of typical so far. You know, he's the breadwinner. She's this kind of struggling artist. You know, we've gotten a lot of books recently where the wife is... A writer or a blogger or a photographer or something something like that some sort of creative they're just they're never opposite like a couple of the other books that I had read there was you know a woodcarver and an Instagram mom and like it was it's never like the woman is in architecture and the dad is you know the blogger or whatever it's never like that it's always the woman who works from home and she works a job that basically makes her a baby machine because that's what they're for moving on and then we have chapter three which is just a little bit about their wedding <laughs> by the end of this show, this chapter is like i think two pages it starts with a couple of details about their wedding and then by the end of the chapter she's talking about divorce we know right off the bat that this marriage doesn't last which we kind of knew from the prologue anyway but still so by chapter four we We'd find out that the daughter is named Violet, which is after the great-grandmother on her baby's father's side, so Fox's grandmother was named Violet. Mostly just a ramble about their married life, but you do kind of get a decent picture. Like, it's just a typical marriage and a typical life and a typical relationship. Like, it's just, it's nothing special. It's nothing weird. It's just kind of boring, actually. And then by chapter five, they're trying for a baby. One of the red flags in this chapter is that Blythe blatantly says that she's getting pregnant, not because she wants to be pregnant or even to be a mom, because she's worried about, you know, being as bad of a mom to her baby as her mom was to her. But she's doing this one to keep Fox happy, which is not a reason to have a child. And then to prove to everyone and herself that she's not her mother, which is also not a good reason to have a child. Children are too difficult for those to be legitimate reasons. Uh, and then by chapter six, we get scenes from her sad childhood and these take place about the time her mom, her mother left. You get a real sense that she does not know how to be a normal child because she, there's a couple of scenes where she's at her best friend's house and she's just not capable of being lighthearted. There's a like a heaviness in her house that she kind of carries with her. And there's a couple of scenes where you get the idea that her mom is going to turn out to be either neglectful or outright abusive or both. So that didn't fully materialize in the sample portions, but it's probably in the later chapters. And then chapter seven, we find out that she's pregnant and there's a scene where she actually goes to the library to get some pregnancy and childcare books. She meets another mom there who gives her the advice of figure out your sleep first, which as a new mom myself, totally agree with that. Prioritize how to get yourself some sleep above all else. Otherwise you won't be able to function in any other way and everything else will fall apart. Good tip. I agree with that. Uh, And then chapter eight, she indicates that she feels nervous about having this baby. Fox tells her he's not. And then she is expecting him to give her comfort in some way. And he just kind of does it or he doesn't to her specifications or how she (laughs) wanted to be comfort to which I said, well, why didn't you just ask? Like, if you want a comforting hug, just ask for a hug. He's a man. (laughs) Like he's a man. (laughs) I feel like there wasn't a lot in this sample, but there was actually quite a bit. It just, I just wasn't sure like what actually mattered or what was even interesting. So I just kind of, you know, wrote down the stuff that I thought was kind of interesting or that I thought would have a bearing on the story. I will be honest with you guys, I am not planning on continuing this book, like at all. I was into it for about two chapters, which was about 
eight pages. And then afterwards, I was like, mm, not too sure about this one because what I basically got from this was that there's like a 50-50 shot that there's really nothing wrong with Violet. And we don't even meet Violet really in this sample. Like she's not even born yet. The only scene we get from her is the prologue instance. And I was like, I have a feeling there's nothing wrong with Violet at all. You know, some kids are just detached, even as babies. And then there's also the possibility that this woman is going to be suffering from some sort of postpartum depression something, which can make you feel like you're not bonding with your child. Which is kind of what she was describing and kind of what the synopsis kind of leads me to believe. But I don't think that there's actually anything wrong with Violet. I could be totally wrong. Obviously, I only read 29 pages. But what I got from this was that there's a very good chance that this author read the yellow wallpaper and then read the bad seed and thought oh I'll combine them that's what I get because the yellow wallpaper which is a short story and I do actually recommend that to everyone it's very very good but it is about a woman's descent into postpartum psychosis which is very rare it's a very severe form of postpartum depression and it's very dangerous and I feel like that's where this could be going because um, she was already feeling a lot of anxiety in the beginning you know I have a feeling there's some mental health issues from her past especially if it does show up that her mom is right abusive you know there's clearly something going on with the grandmother I did see a couple of different reviews that categorize this book as dealing with multi-generational trauma but at some point like it's clear that like in the synopsis they were saying that fox was kind of ignoring her attempts to say that something wrong something was wrong with violet which also reminds me of the yellow wallpaper because that's what happened with that husband as well and like that book takes place in the 50s and that's just what they did to women who had any kind of mental health problem was they just ignored them and brushed it under the rug or they completely overrode them and sent them to places to like calm their nerves or whatever like it was horrible how they used to handle female mental health um but that's the vibe that I get is that Fox is doing the same thing that that guy was doing in the yellow wallpaper and then in the bad seed you get a little girl and you're not entirely sure. And like the little girl in the bad seed is about eight years old. But you're not, for like most of the novel, you're not entirely sure if the people, like the adults around this little girl are just misreading her or the situation or whatever. Or if she's actually dangerous to people. So, but that also kind of drives that mom crazy. That is a very good book and a very good movie. That's actually a really creepy movie. If, not, if you have not seen that movie, The Bad Seed, I recommend it. So I had the prediction that Blythe is either going to end up trying to kill the ex-husband, the daughter, or both based off of all of this nonsense going on. And then I read a couple of the reviews on Goodreads and that was kind of what cemented my idea not to continue the book. I did read a couple of the spoiler reviews and that really made me think, okay, this is just a mashup of a bunch of other books that have done it better in the past. So... And <sighs> Lately, I have had I have had a very long-winded history with authors who are not educated or have any kind of training in very detailed, like scientific fields, who put those as the basis of their books. And I've had that problem since Veronica Roth used genetics in 
her Divergent series and butchered the most basic of genetic concepts so bad that I was actually mortally offended because I do have a science degree and background. And I felt like this was what was happening again. So I actually looked at this author. This author does not have an education in psychology and she's never worked in psychology. She's a public relations person and she has a degree in media and some sort of technology culture thing and then she decided to go and write a very complicated almost like a case study type of thing about a woman who is struggling with the psychology of motherhood I was like that's a recipe for disaster (laughs) just because you yourself as a mom does not mean that you have the qualifications to even write a fictionalized account of multi-generational trauma especially as it applies to motherhood and I can tell you that the any kind of postpartum depression related anything is being used as a prop to a plot because this is a at the end of the day this is considered a thriller novel and not a account of a woman who is actually dealing with postpartum depression and why that would be or how she would pull herself out of it or like what it feels like to go through that. This is being used to make a child seem creepy. And that rubbed me the wrong way as well. Like, don't do that. And then a lot of people were saying that this was the unreliable narrator trope, which I got a lot of vibes about that in the beginning. Um, Especially once I started realizing that this was starting to sound like the yellow wallpaper in some places. I was like, well, if that woman is actually suffering from postpartum psychosis in any way, then she, yes, she is an unreliable narrator because she doesn't understand the reality around her. But again, that is not supposed to be used as a prop for your little thriller novel. So I didn't like it. I thought it left a bad taste in my mouth. I only read 29 pages. That was enough for me. I'm returning it to the library. I kind of can see where it's going. I doubt it's going to be that big of a mystery or even that big of a twist it seems pretty predictable from what I pieced together on my own and then what I saw on Goodreads reviews I really don't recommend it if you really do want to read it I do recommend getting it from the library to try out first because you may not like it at all so if you've completed this book let me know what you thought you can find me on Goodreads at goodreads.com slash the daily sample or on Instagram at the daily sample And I will see you back here tomorrow for another book that hopefully works out much better for me. Thanks. Bye.